0: Hey, Good evening, everyone. Grace and peace. Welcome to the table. Uh, it's really, really great to be with you. So we are in part five of our series titled Epiphany, a radical invitation. And the uh, really the idea of the season of Epiphany in the church calendar is that it's a time to reflect on who Christ uh, was and is, who he reveals God to be, and uh, really what our response To that revealing is. So um, you can see that in many ways, Epiphany, the season of Epiphany, is the perfect follow-up to Christmas um, and in the season of Advent, because Advent is all about waiting and receiving something from God that we do not work for or earn. It's really a season of um, kind of contemplation of grace, Uh, but Epiphany is slightly different. It's really about our response as the church to the gift of Jesus, uh, which is why it has traditionally come after uh, the Christmas season. So uh, with that in mind, the title of my message uh, this afternoon is Overflow. Overflow. We have a, a few different scripture readings. Um, and the first is from Isaiah 40, uh, verses 28 through 31. The second is from 1 Corinthians nine nineteen, And the third is uh, Mark 1, 29 through 31. But um, I'll go ahead and start with Isaiah. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's a very famous passage from Isaiah. It's quite poetic and beautiful. Uh, so the second one is 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Uh, and then finally, Mark chapter 1. Uh, And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him, that would be Jesus, about her. And so he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So uh, one of the great spiritual disciplines in the Christian tradition is the practice of service, of of serving others. Uh, this, of course, springs you know directly from Christ Himself, who, in a variety of places and times, both spoke to this practice um, and even modeled it. Um, so, in His speaking, there's the famous passage uh, from Matthew chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight where he said, the son of man, that was referring to himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Uh, now, because that's on Jesus' lips, like, and we sort of expect him to say things like that, it may not sound all that, um, I don't know, surprising or remarkable. But if you pause and think about it, Jesus was the type of person who others would have been happy to serve. He was charismatic and likable. He was very powerful and could engage the miraculous. He had a certain presence about him, um, kind of you know carrying a sense of authority. He had a large following of people everywhere he went. He's like a rock star or something. Uh, and yet it was him. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Another example is from Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, where the disciples are, um, basically they're all arguing over who among them will be the greatest in the afterlife. (laughs) Typical ego argument. And so Jesus says, well, let me settle this for you. The greatest among you, and I'm sure they're all just on the edge of their seats. "Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, it's me, it's me. The greatest among you is the servant of all. (laughs) What a deflating kind of the greatest among you is the servant among you. Uh, In other words, if you want to be great, lay down your life and serve. And then finally, in terms of his example, his actual living, there's a famous story from John chapter 13, uh, where Jesus, after a, a very long day of walking, uh, and remember, the roads in the ancient world were like not roads like we think of. I mean, they were basically non-existent. Um, it was really mostly dirt paths that people walked. And they wore sandals. And so they were in the dust and dirt and mud. And of course, they're like animal droppings all on the path. So their feet were, were pretty nasty after a day's walk. Uh, and so at the end of the day, the 12 disciples and Jesus, they all gather in a room for a meal. Uh, when suddenly Jesus gets up from his seat, gathers a towel and a wash basin, and one by one proceeds to wash all uh, 12, well, really 24, of the disciples' feet. Uh, This was a job normally reserved for the servant of the house or for the lowest ranking person in the room, uh, which apparently none of them wanted to admit to being, so everyone's feet had gone unwashed and so uh, Jesus, um, he, he does this. He washes their feet. And then after he finished, he asked them this. He said, do you know what I've done for you? And it was pretty clearly a rhetorical question uh, because they were silent. And then he continued, you call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. Now that I, the Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's and so generations of Christians have, have really understood this story as, it's like a parable of sorts, like a living parable. Uh, in other words, it's less about literally washing each other's feet. I'm guessing you would all feel rather uncomfortable and awkward if every time you entered like a fellow Christian's house, they just insisted on washing your feet. Um, so it's less literal. And, and now we see it as this profound metaphor, this, this profound example of who we are called to be, we are the foot-washing people of the world. We are the servants of all. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful statement. Very, very beautiful. Uh, and, and yet, like everything, uh, it has its shadow side. And here's what I mean. Um, it has been misunderstood. It has been at times misused and even abused. I mean, sometimes even by like manipulative church leaders who say things like, well, you can't say no to helping the church. You can't can't turn this down. You're a follower of Christ, the servant of all. And furthermore, you're to submit to your spiritual authority, me. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, you can see there how that can get kind of like, I mean, it's like technically, yes, you are quoting Jesus, But there's something about this interaction that feels a little off, Um, but it's, it's not always church leaders. And I don't mean to imply like, that's all church leaders are all doing that all the time. I I don't, I I hope that's not the case. Um, But you know, sometimes though, it's not even about just leadership or something. It's often, it's just by well-meaning folks, but people maybe who are um, wired in a way where they, they really, um, they're pleasers right? They're, they're kind of hungry for love and hungry for approval. Uh, and those folks can often be very tempted towards a kind of misunderstanding of um, this invitation to be the servant of all. Uh, which is why you know when some people hear statements like, be the servant of all, or lay down your life for others, um, what they hear not necessarily what the Bible is saying, but what they hear, what they're interpreting, um, sounds something like this. So just to be clear: this is not. I'm not advocating for this. I'm saying this is what people hear. They hear we are the people who let others walk all over us. Uh, we are the people who do not know how to set boundaries. Uh, We're the people who live in deep fear of disappointing others. We are the people who serve to the point of total depletion and exhaustion, just giving, 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 giving. And then we serve some more. Uh, we are the people who feel chronically guilty for not doing enough. Uh, we are the people who must always say yes to helping and pretend to love it, even though we're dying a little inside. Uh, we're the people who believe that you can never tell the pastor or a church leader, um, I'm sorry, no, I can't, I can't help out there. <laughs> now, um, what am I getting at with all this? Here's what I'm trying to get at. When the Bible speaks of serving others, it is not about serving from a place of exhaustion, guilt, or earning love and approval. That's the key. When the Bible speaks of serving others, it's not about serving. It's not trying to describe a serving from this place of exhaustion, guilt, or earning love and approval. Instead, it is about serving from a place of rest, a sense of calling, and a deep knowing that because I am loved, because I am valuable, because God calls me beloved son, beloved daughter, I am free. I'm free to be the servant of all without feeling diminished, without having my my sense of agency robbed from me because no has been taken off the table. Like, no, that's not Christian service. Instead, the idea is that when we come into alignment with Christ, with with the Holy Spirit, our service, the sense of service, it begins to bubble up from within, from the soul from strength from from a sense of faith hope and love can you hear the difference between that kind of service and in something like this like well I better say yes because if I say no uh, then they may not love me anymore or or I just feel te- I just feel terrible saying no so I'll just go ahead and say yes Can you hear the difference between those two statements and and a type of service that bubbles up from within? You see, there is a way of serving that stems from weakness and insecurity. Uh, However, the type of service that Jesus is both talking about and modeling for us is service from a sense of strength, from calling, from great love and gratitude. Uh, And and this is why I love our scriptures for today. Coming back to Isaiah uh, 40, starting in verse 30 this time. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord uh, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here's my question. What would it look like if your service was a form of soaring, uh, of thriving, of of running, so to speak, without growing weary, of walking forward every day without getting exhausted. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But when you're serving the way God calls you to serve, that's the sensation. That's what it feels like. It's, uh, it's not day after day after day of ugh. <laughs> it's day after day of this is who I am. This is who God has called me to be. In other words, God has called me to a life of loving service, not exhaustion, burnout, and resentment. That's a word for someone. Resentment. If you are resenting your service, if you're resenting people uh, who you have to serve, and by the way here, I'm not just talking about serving in the church. Like This is anywhere in your life. If you're resenting your service, Uh, then something is off. That that is not the life God has called you to. And um, and, and by the way, I'm not saying the problem is your attitude. That if you would just turn that frown upside down, then things would be fine and dandy. Uh, I mean, maybe it's an attitude thing. I guess that's the case. It's possible that's the case. But that's not quite what I'm naming. I'm saying more than likely, um, you're just not very good at setting boundaries. (laughs) And now you're blaming others for it uh, or perhaps blaming God, you know, here I am being miserable, doing what you told me to do. <laughs> um, no, you didn't call you, didn't. nope. No, it's just a, there's a failure of boundaries here. Um, I, I speak from experience. I personally, I've been on such a journey with this for the last probably 10 years. Um, this is something I've talked about this quite often in my messages because um, just for those who know me well, they know that while I do, I love my work here at the table, I love it. Uh, I can be, at times, driven by insecurity and a fear of failure, um, and I can kind of be pushed by that into this into a certain mode of overworking, of overextending myself, uh, and then I become the worst version of myself, often taking out my frustration and exhaustion, not on all of you, because, hey, I'm, you know, kind Pastor Brett, uh, instead it is my family uh, who suffers often? Honestly, my kids, um, primarily in the evenings, when I can just become a terribly crappy person to be around. I've been, you know, better in recent years with this, but um, it used to be quite bad, and it's still—it's very much an ongoing battle. So this is like here's kind of a this is a bit of a silly example, um, but here's a moment that replays. We'll just say too often. Uh, so it's towards the end of my work week, and you know I'm tired. Um, and, and someone from the church, or sometimes it's kind of our extended community. Um, you know, there are folks who kind of look to the table for like emotional support and, and such. You maybe don't even attend, um, but they've heard about us, and we're just in touch. So someone, you know, they reach out uh, and they just need some emotional support. So they call me, and I know, you know, just based on the name on my phone, I know they're going to need something from me. Um, but it's towards the end of the week, and I'm just I'm exhausted and i and really i just don't have all that much more to give that week have you ever been there just like i don't know how much i have to give here so there i am i see the name uh and so i answer and sure enough you know they they're in need they need something and often like it's an emergency they need it now it's a crisis this and, and right now this is like the moment of truth and they say hey we can we meet can we meet today and i'm like Of course, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, and I mean, I could justify it, right? I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm a pastor and we're supposed to be the servant of all. I mean, imagine how much more I'm supposed to be the servant of all. If you all are supposed to be the servant of all, I'm like the pastor, so I'm the servant of all. <laughs> of course, I'm Christ himself. Uh, <laughs> okay, that was horrible. I didn't mean that literally, just a joke. Um, but, uh, so that's the situation I get myself into. Now, what should I have said? What, what should I have told them? Here's what I should have said. Um, You know, I, I can tell you really need someone to be there for you. And you know what? That is okay. That's fine. Sometimes we just need someone. Um, Here's the thing. Today, it just can't be me. Um, Let me put you in touch with someone who can help what I should have said. Because Jesus' exhortation to serve others is not an excuse for my own immaturity and people-pleasing and the lack of boundary-setting. And what inevitably happens? Well, I, I meet with him, and then in that moment, I'm much more the young man growing tired and weary, as Isaiah says, than the person renewing my strength and soaring like an eagle. Uh, and that's when I know I'm doing it wrong. That's when I know. Uh, and of course, it's on me. It's on. It's not on them. Just to be clear, I'm not blaming. Oh, how could they call me? Like, no, that's fine. Uh, I have failed to set the appropriate boundaries. God did not command me to say yes to everyone. Uh, and I know you all would be perfectly fine if I said, hey, you know what? Not nope, not right now. Let's meet next week. You'd be fine. Um, see, this is my issue, but I'm learning. I'm learning. And honestly, I could take a huge lesson from the apostle Paul. I love this passage that we read earlier. First Corinthians 9 verse 19. Paul writes, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Isn't that beautiful? That's like the pinnacle of the spiritual life. I am far from the pinnacle. Um, I mean, what a beautiful statement. Although although I am free from all, although I don't have to say yes to anything or anyone because I know I'm loved. I know I'm worthy. I don't like need people's approval. I don't need them all to be happy with me. I, I am free. But precisely, Paul says, because I am free, I can make myself the servant of everyone I meet. What does he mean? He's saying that he can serve anytime, anywhere, anyone, because it does not demean him. It does not make him feel little or lesser than. He's not compulsive or guilt-ridden or afraid of disappointing others in his service. You see, he resents no one, because he is free. He can say no. And it's precisely because he can say no, because he's free, right? That he can also say a true, heartfelt, loving yes. Yes. And when we can operate in that mode, then our service, it flows like oil, rather than grinding like metal on metal years, which is honestly exactly what our gospel reading today from Mark uh, chapter one, verses 30 through 31. Um, We'll come back to that. Now Simeon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told Jesus about her. And so he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. I I don't imagine that when she awoke from her fever, um, and found she had been healed by Jesus, uh, I I doubt that she then thought to herself like, oh great, oh, we have guests? Oh, more people needing things from me. (laughs) I don't know, I don't think that's it at all, is that I imagine that Simon Peter's mother-in-law was overjoyed to live, right? Suddenly the world was bright and beautiful again. I mean, you know what it's like to recover from a sickness. Uh, We've spent enough time in bed, like let's get up. So I imagine she was energized and because God had done great things for her, she began to serve out of the overflow. That's how our service should be. It's springing up from within, from a place of joy, from gratitude. Let me sum it up like this. When we serve from the overflow, our service flows easily and lovingly. When we serve from the overflow, what do I mean by overflow? I mean from grace, from a sense of calling, from love, from, as Paul talked about, freedom. Then our service flows easily and lovingly. Alright, so what's the what's the takeaway? How how should you live differently in light of this message? Um, so my hunch is that you need to ask yourself these two questions. Number one, what do I need to let go of? In other words, where have I been serving with a growing sense of resentment rather than freedom? What what do I need to maybe delegate? or say no to. And this could be um, at work. This could be at home. Um, and this could you know, be at, at church. Like if you're doing something and it is gears grinding metal on metal, you are depleted and you are growing resentful. Again, as I said earlier, you're not doing the Lord's work, or at least you're not doing it in the right way. <laughs> that's that's not what Jesus is talking about. So ask yourself, okay, what do I need to let go of? Or what do I need to rethink here? I mean, because maybe it's just that you need to do less of that thing. Like, you're still called to do the thing. It's just, I need to, <laughs> I need to back this off. Um, and then go ahead and schedule a conversation um, with the appropriate person. So that's the first question. Okay, what do I need to let go of? Uh, second question. What do I need to take up? See, this is about prioritizing. Who or what are you called to give attention to right now in this season of life? Um, Because it it shifts and changes over time, right? And sometimes you're like holding on to something from the past. It's like, oh, I just can't give that up. And it's gears grinding metal on metal. And meanwhile, it's because God's calling you to this new thing. So okay, what what do I what am I called to give attention to now in this season? what what would be the place of great joy um, for you to serve? Uh, and then start moving towards those people or that thing. Um, one way to think about it is go where the grace is. Go where the energy is, go where the joy is. Amen? All right, so in place of a prayer, uh, I wanted to take 60 seconds to thank some very special people for their service uh, in this season. So to all of the teachers uh, who have had your routines and rhythms upended by this pandemic, uh, and you've been willing to sit with our kids um, each day and put yourself at risk so that they can learn, uh, we see you. And we are so incredibly grateful uh, for the healthcare workers. Thinking of you know doctors, um, nurses, other staff at hospitals and clin- or hospitals and clinics, doctors' offices, um, as well as all of the first responders. We have uh, a number of those at the table. Um, you are, y'all, I mean, y'all are right on the front lines of of everything with this pandemic battle. And again, we're so incredibly grateful for your service. We love you. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, and now for the folks at the table, to all of our wonderful behind the scenes folks, uh, I'm thinking of Candace Frank, who does all of our bookkeeping. Uh, where would we be without Candace? I shudder to think. <laughs> um, and Rob Mercado, who actually is um, just joined, is now starting to oversee our finance team. Um, Thank you both so much. Kasha Watts, who handles all of our social media posts and digital marketing. It's not by magic that those show up and I'm not doing it. Um, (laughs) She is doing it. And so I'm so grateful for you, my friend, to all of our volunteers in meetups. Y'all, a round of applause for all of our meetup leaders. Um, Here's ones who are presently leading. It's Daryl Adams uh, with the men's meetup. It's Maggie Tilford and Maggie Porter with the teen group. Uh, Karen and Gary Minor, who lead, are leading our pandemic support group. It's Sarah Johns and Glenda Bayron with our book club. Uh, it's Milagros Mikado and Nancy Purdy with the Be the Bridge um, Racial Reconciliation Group. Uh, y'all, I mean, over the last like 10 months, y'all have been just rocks of connection in an ocean of disconnection for so many people. Thank you for your time and energy. Um, We love you. And finally, Brittany Johnson um, with Kids Ministries. She's sending out that weekly newsletter that you all are getting. And um, Mindy Mindy Runnels for figuring out how to lead worship online. Gary and Scott uh, with the tech team and so many others on that team. And I mean, I could just keep going, but I just want to name, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Even us, I think of uh, Sarah Johns, uh, Marissa Martinez, who are helping with our kind of, hostess role in the background on Sunday evenings. I'm just, y'all, we're so blessed. I'm so blessed. My heart is full. I love this community. So um, I just, I didn't want a message on service to, you know, do the whole thing without recognizing this, just many people um, who are currently serving both um, in our church and um, beyond in our community. So um, God sees you. We see you. We love you. That's all I got, grace and peace.